0: Drabblecast, episode 468. The Drabblecast is an audio fiction magazine that brings strange stories by strange authors to strange listeners, such as yourself. I'm your host, Norm Sherman. Great show for you folks this week. We bring you The Bad Ones Are Always the Best by Michelle Ann King. Michelle lives in Essex, England, and is a writer of speculative crime and horror fiction. Her works appeared in over 100 different venues, including Strange Horizons, Interzone, Black Static, and Orson Scott Card's Intergalactic Medicine Show. Her favorite writers include Stephen King, Tanya French, and Terry Pratchett. She's published two short story collections available on Amazon and other online retailers in ebook and paperback format. Full details can be found at www.transientcactus.co.uk. The story originally appeared in k May of 2020. And so, without further ado, we bring you The Bad Ones Are Always the Best by Michelle Ann King. Mm. The Bad Ones Are Always the Best by Michelle Ann King. Marty's grandson takes the cup of tea he's offered, without saying thank you, mind you, and stares at it dubiously, as if he doesn't know what it is. Marty wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't. Kids all seem to be brought up on vitamin water and kale juice these days. Drink up, he says, nodding encouragingly. Marty's cuppas are the real thing, brewed until they're the color of brick dust and made with full fat milk, four sugars, and a thimble of whiskey. It'll put hairs on your chest. Gary, no Garrett, Marty's been corrected on that point at least twice already, doesn't seem impressed by the thought. No doubt he'd just have to wax them off afterwards because God forbid he should spoil any of the smooth surfaces and rounded corners. The kid looks like he's been popped out of some kind of designer mold, all rough edges pre-sanded off. Model number 87, corporate tax consultant. Marty can just imagine Robert and his snooty wife picking that one out of the catalog. No wonder they kept their distance all these years. Didn't want their perfect creation spoiled by messing about with an old man who used to work with his hands and misses the days when kids wanted to be astronauts and explorers when they grew up. Not accountants. Garrett puts his cup down, without using a coaster of the fucking heathen, and gives Marty a big Hollywood smile. In the living room's fading light, his whitened teeth go off like a flashbulb. Marty returned the grin, giving it full dentures. The boy followed his nose here in the end, though. That's something. Garrett turns his attention back to Marty's computer. He's offered to do his old granddad a favor, and see if it needs updating, or cleaning up, or whatever starting with Marty's online banking account, he notices, before the kid angles the screen away. So, Garrett says casually, have you always lived around here, Granddad? In Silvertown? That's what it's called, where you were born? Marty nods and gives him an approving grin, although he can't help rolling his eyes a little too. He might prefer life in the flesh, red in tooth and claw and all that, to the dubious pleasures of the virtual world, but he still understands the concept of security questions, So while the lad gets points for initiative, he loses more for clumsiness. Marty grins again. If Robert could see this, he'd be positively mortified. Not only has the kid reverted to undesirable type, but he shit at it. That's right, Silvertown. All one word, he adds helpfully. The boy flashes another smile as he taps away, fingers flying over the keyboard. His nails are very short, very clean, buffed. At his age, Marty would have been embarrassed to have manicured fingernails. His were always filthy and ragged, broken in a dozen places from climbing, scrabbling, and fighting. It's different now, of course. These days, parents freak out if their precious kids so much as pop their heads outside the door without an armed security detail. But the past, as they say, was a different world. Marty smiles. And did you have a pet, Grandad? What was it, uh, the first pet you had? Dog. Fierce little thing he was. Half pit bull, half fuck knows what. Wolverine, maybe. Or hellhound. Another bright smile. Another click of the mouse. Uh Uh-huh. And what was his name? Marty can't resist. Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, he says, then laughs as the boy's fingers go still and his eyes wide. (laughs) I'm kidding. It was killer. Oh, Garrett gives Marty an uncertain glance, then laughs too. <laughs> right, his hands go back to the keyboard. Marty dunks a hobnob in his tea. Don't suppose your dad ever got you a dog, did he? The kid shakes his head. <laughs> I'm allergic. Of course he is. Tax consultants are bound to be allergic to anything beyond screens and numbers and climate-controlled offices. God forbid they should ever know the dirt and danger, the fun and freedom of the real world, or any other. You don't know what you're missing. We had some good right adventures in our day, like the time we found the portal. Uh Uh-huh, Garrett says, focused on the screen. Marty smiles again. He'd been with Kenny and Eddie from down the street, playing cops and robbers on the local building site. They'd had the time of their lives, chasing Eddie's little brother over piles of bricks and rubble, through pipes, up scaffolding, and down holes. We'll get you, copper. (laughs) So we've got Joey cornered in this great big trench where they're digging the foundations. It's over, there's nowhere for him to go, but when we jump in there, he's gone. And all these roots and worms and bugs, big weird bugs, but no Joey, we can't work it out. So Eddie's kicking at it and looking to see if there's some kind of tunnel or something. And the next thing we know, he's gone straight through the wall and disappeared. "Uh Uh-huh, Garrett says. It had come as a bit of a shock of course finding the portal but once they calmed down it made sense for posh kids yeah doorways to other worlds would be found at the back of wardrobes stuffed with fur coats but for the likes of marty and his mates they'd appear in dirty great holes in the middle of building sites it made perfect sense and it was just like in the stories he says time was different on the other side it felt like we were over there forever before we caught up with ed before we found his little brother, or what was left of him by that point. Again, this portal hadn't been like the ones in the kids' books. It had been much more fun. Where it went wrong, he went on, is that Kenny told people what really happened. Where we went, what we saw, what we did. Poor Ed never said a word, never spoke again as far as I know. But Kenny? Kenny told the truth. Which, rarely does anyone any favors, honestly. Marty, who understood that, told the story people wanted to hear. Or, no, not really, nobody wanted to hear that kind of thing, but at least they could understand it. Things weren't like they are now, with people seeing murderers and kidnappers on every street corner, but the concept wasn't exactly unknown either. So Marty told everyone, his parents, the police, the doctors, about an old fella in a raincoat who'd ask them to help find his lost dog. He told them how Joey searched after the rest, and got bored, and went back to their game. Until finally, they realized how long he'd been gone, and went searching for him too. It was a horrible story, yes, but the bad ones are always the best. And while people might not have been happy about believing Marty's version of events, at least they could. Which was a lot more than you can say about Kenny's. "Uh Uh-huh, Garrett says. He's frowning at the screen again, a disappointed expression on his face. Looks like he finally got into the accounts then. Marty takes pity. I wouldn't worry yourself about all that banking stuff, he says. It doesn't matter if that's out of date or whatever, because I don't really use it. Not a big fan of banks. Numbers on screens and all that. I like proper money. Real money that you can hold in your hand. The boy's head comes up. You mean, you keep your money in cash? His gaze flicks around the room. In the house? You haven't touched your tea, Marty says reproachfully, and Garrett obediently picks up his mug. He takes a mouthful, coughs violently, and just about manages a smile. <laughs> Lovely granddad, so up uh, you were saying? Marty nods. I was saying about my old mate Kenny, yeah, in and out of nut houses, hospitals, prisons for years he was. Last time he got out, he came around here. He thought he was an exorcist or something, on a mission to rid the world of evil. Marty shakes his head sadly. Poor bastard. Ah, Nothing but skin and bone he was. Said he was living on the nourishment of righteousness or some bollocks. I gave him a nice cup of tea and a packet of custard creams. Perked him right up. Garrett shifts in his chair, all fidgety and patient. Kids have got no attention span these days. No sense of commitment. In the old days, you picked a path and you stuck to it. Like Kenny. Bless him. Like Marty himself. ''Of course,'' he says, before Garrett can interrupt. ''Then he tried to kill me and set the house on fire, so maybe inviting him for tea and biscuits wasn't such a good idea.'' The boy's eyes widen, and he starts paying attention again. There's nothing like a bit of death and destruction to focus the mind. ''He realized, you see, about the house. I don't know how he worked it out, but he did. So of course he thought it was evil, cursed, ground, or something.'' Garrett looks confused. ''The house?'' Marty nods, gesturing around the room. "'Well, this is where it was, you see. The portal. This estate. It's what they were building when we found it. That great big trench we were playing in, it was the foundations for this house. I watched it go up, brick by brick and wall by wall. Never forgot it. Worked like a mad bastard I did to get the money to buy it. Took fifteen years and some really dodgy jobs, but I got there in the end. Lived here ever since.' "'The portal?' Garrett says, he still looks confused. That's what you get for not listening properly. Forgotten art, listening. Marty listened to Kenny when he came around. He ranted and raved for days about what it had been like over there, about evil, monsters, and all manner of horrors. And Marty listened to every word because they'd been mates and because he felt sorry for the poor bastard. Nobody else had ever believed him. Plus, he found the whole thing pleasantly nostalgic. His own memories had already started wearing a bit thin from repeated fondling by them, so it was quite nice to get a fresh perspective. What happened to him? Garrett wants to know. Kenny? Nobody knows, Marty lies. He'd done a runner by the time the police turned up. They never found him. That part, at least, was true. Again, it was different in those days. They didn't have all this high-tech CSI stuff, fibers and databases and DNA, and Marty was a fine, upstanding homeowner, while Kenny Ruddow was a known offender with no fixed address and a history of mental illness. Case closed. For a while, Marty had hoped that Kenny might turn out to be the missing ingredient, the key that would turn back the lock, but no joy. He'd been trying his damnedest ever since he'd moved in, obviously, begging, pleading, bringing it offerings. But even when he brought it Kenny, he got nowhere. The portal stayed shut. Later, he started wondering if it was an age thing, if it only opened for kids, which was a trickier thing to test, since a single man living on his own didn't get much cause to invite children to come and play in the hole underneath his floorboards and unlike homeless nutters, kids would get missed. It'd be easier if he had his own, he realized in the end. Hence, Janice, and then little Robert. But Robert wasn't exactly an adventurous kid, that was the trouble, not exactly a chip off the old block. He never wanted to play cops and robbers or soldiers or even underground explorers. He cried at the slightest bruise, was terrified of bugs and knives and anything with teeth, and practically fainted at the sight of blood. If the boy hadn't been the spit of him physically, Marty would have done some serious questioning of Janice's virtue. He finishes his tea with a slurp and fishes out the soggy remnants of a biscuit with his finger. He did think about having another go, but Janice had started to cause trouble by then, and the whole thing had been such hard work and such a disappointment that he couldn't face going back to square one. So he let Robert grow up and go his own way. He became a poet, just to add one final humiliation, and mostly gave up on trying to get the portal open. Mostly. But now there's Garrett, and it feels as if maybe he's been given one final chance. The boy's older than he would've liked and an idiot, but he's still got Marty's blood in his veins and he's at least got a bit more oomph than his father. Cyber fraud or whatever you'd call it isn't exactly most wanted stuff, but it isn't poetry either. Maybe there's hope for the kid with the right encouragement, the right environment. Maybe the portal will think so too. Garrett does an elaborate stretch and stands up. Uh, You get stiff sitting down for so long, don't you, Granddad? Maybe we could walk around a bit. You could give me a tour of the house if you like. Ah, good idea. Marty snaps his fingers as if he just had the thought. Here, why don't I show you where I keep the money? You can tell me if you think it's safe enough. Oh, okay, sure, I'm happy to help. Garrett gives him another smile, although it's less dazzling this time. The pills dissolved in his tea are probably starting to make themselves felt. It's right this way, Marty says, in the back room, under the floorboards. You might have to get down there and dig around for a bit, though. You haven't got to rush off, have you? Your dad not expecting you home? Garrett yawns and shakes his head. The smile turns a little conspiratorial. I didn't actually tell him I was coming to see you. Marty grins and slaps the kid soundly on the back, hard enough to bruise. Garrett winces and lets out a surprised oof, but at least he doesn't start crying. Good lad. Chip off the old block, Marty says happily, with a little touch of pride and hope in his heart. You know what they say, always listen to your elders. And never let them out of your sight. Slowly learn to recognize their scent in case you find yourself in a situation where the power goes out and you can't see them stirring and slinking in the shadows. If you have property, consider setting up trail cams out in the woods along with tripwire along your perimeter. You want to know where they are and what they're up to at all times. At least that's what you know that they say. Hey, so here's a thing you should know. Drabblecast has a Discord channel. You know what Discord is? The chat app, not the stuff that you sow with seeds. Well, if you don't know, it's a chat app that lets you share voice, video, and text chats with your friends. And Drabblecast has got a nice little community going there now. It's like the Drabblecast forum days of old, but you know, more options and stuff. But also, you know, for us old timers like me, still not as good as the old days, for no reason in particular. But alas, it is these new days that we live in, and Discord is pretty good enough to do some of the cool stuff we're currently doing, like writing hundred-word drabbles, talking stories, talking podcasts, talking weird news, and posting links. And some of the stuff we've got planned, like recorded live shows, book clubs, open-mic beat poetry jams. Tears of a hippo fall like hippo rain from a hippo place of hippo bane. pain. Orang-o-tang sang my name, Courtney Love killed Kurt Cobain. Mmm, some of those things, certainly. Anyways, make friends and be weird with us. You can join our Discord server from a big shiny new Discord link on our website at treblecast.org. If you don't have Discord, but this sounds cool and you want to try, the link walks you through downloading the app first too, so you don't have to go find it elsewhere. Looking forward to seeing yous. The Travelcast, as you know, is brought to you with a Creative Commons attribution, non commercial, no derivatives license, which means don't change it, don't sell it, but feel free to share it all you like. Or to serve you on iTunes, tell a friend, spread the weird. Special thanks to our episode artist, Cheryl Schopfer. Cheryl makes comics inspired by overthinking real life and folklore. When not cartooning, she enjoys hobbies like dog walking and wondering how anyone survived Missouri summers before air conditioning. Her work can be found at snarkclaw.com, and she takes tea black, no cream, sugar, or whiskey. Our program is brought to you by Cameron Howard, Beau Kier, Tom Baker, David Ballard, Bart Epstein, John Gentry, Jocelyn Gerwig, Melissa Knight, Ashley L, Lydia Moon, Nicole Neely, Joseph Pietrus, Wyatt Scott, a strange worm with bones, and yours truly, Norm Sherman. Reminding you, a single man living on his own doesn't get much cause to invite children to come and play in the hole beneath his floorboards.